You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's that time again. It's time for a weekly Locked On crossover where we go behind enemy lines. Locked On Dolphins host Travis Wingfield joins us in just a bit. Welcome aboard, everybody. Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk podcast, along with co-host Brian Patterson from Fanside. It's houseofhouston.com. Thanks for diving into your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. And welcome aboard, Travis. Great to talk to you. And you know what? We didn't think it was ever going to be Brocktoberfest in Houston again after a couple of years ago. Yeah, and Jadavian Clowney sure poured some uh, some some gas in the fire there talking about how he doesn't really have much of an opinion of Brock Osweiler right now, but he has been playing okay the last couple of games in backup duty, so we'll see how it goes for him on Thursday. Yeah, if, if uh, the Dolphins fans didn't catch this one, uh, you, you know, it's... it's uh, uh, JD Clowney just being clowny. I mean, he called Bortles trash and they sent him trash cans. So he, he's been known to do stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> what, tell me what, what are you guys doing with Brock? Cause it sounds like he's playing a lot better than he did here. Yeah, he really is. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he has familiarity with Adam Gaze. He talked about how he was the backup quarterback for 58 games when Adam Gaze was calling plays into Peyton Manning's headset. So he heard all the calls. He knows the verbiage. He knows the system. And I think you've really seen that translate over to Sundays for these last two weeks. And, and his, you know, he, he's made some big plays, which is pretty strange because there was a touchdown pass in the, in the Lions game where he broke the pocket and evaded pressure and threw an absolute dime on the move to Danny Amendola. I never knew he had that in his pocket. I watched a lot of his Texans tape and he was dreadful so it's been a nice surprise so far one and one with the backup quarterback I don't really know how much more you could ask of Brock Osweiler so far how has he compared to what you've gotten from Tannehill this year Tannehill really regressed from what he was in 2016 which was really a, a bummer for Dolphins fans to see we kind of had high hopes that he would take that next step and, and continue on that 2016 success when he won a boatload of games and had a high passer rating was very efficient throwing the ball down the field but it went the opposite direction so I think that Osweiler has been much better on third down, which has been the real big difference between Dolphins week one through five to the last two weeks. Speaking of uh, you saying uh, he's going to make the next step. I mean, he's been around for seven years and at some point uh, the, the Dolphins fans, I'm sure the frustration level on what you're going to ever expect from Ryan Tannehill is, is got to be sky high. I mean, wh- where, where is Dolphins fan on Tannehill and does that kind of hurt I guess, fandom in Miami, knowing that there's a ceiling and and you can only get so far with the Ryan Tannehill. Well, right now it's low because there's a second injury that we really have no idea what's going on with the shoulder. It sounds like he could be back against the Jets next week or he could miss the entire year. It's just completely up in the air. And, you know, early in his career, there was a lot of, you know, circumstances around his play that really didn't benefit him. I mean, the Dolphins had an offensive line, much like the one you guys have had to deal with this year in Houston. That was his offensive line play for a couple of years. The play calling was strange. The coaching turnover was constant. And he just really never got properly evaluated until Adam Gaze came in solidified the offensive line had a decent offensive scheme for him and he played really well and then of course the knee injury came so it's just been a really just a a career worth of excuses and reasons why things haven't worked out for him so I I don't think he has much of a future here now because of this injury but it's it just kind of sucks to see the way it went down where is the other issues for the Dolphins I mean if you took away the quarterback problems you know, what? what is the thing that you're most worried about when you look at this team? Injuries right now. I mean, they, they started off the season 3-0, and, and they were losing a starter every week through the first five weeks of the season to an injury. Uh, right now, they're down 
on left guard, tight end, center. A couple of defensive ends have missed games. Cornerbacks have missed games. The quarterback has missed a few games. I mean, it's just everywhere you look, there's players on the IR. And now they're without Albert Wilson, who has really been the saving grace for the offense this year, making big play after big play. He's out for the season now. Kenny Stills got injured in the end of the game last week against the Detroit Lions, so he's out. So Miami's now down to their third, their, their third, fourth, and fifth wide receivers on the depth chart with Amendola, Jakeem Grant. And now the uh, the <laughs> embattled Devontae Parker has to come into the lineup after his agent on Sunday disowned Adam Gaze in a private context or a private text to one of the Dolphins beat writers. So it, there's a lot of problems going on with this Dolphins offense, this Dolphins team, and they're so banged up. I don't even know if they can field a roster come Thursday night. Let's go, uh, double back to Brock Osweiler and, and talking about his strategy. Because here in Houston, um, he was a lot – his strategy was more of check down passes, just short passes across the field. Um, you know, when he would throw the deep ball, more than likely he was going to get intercepted. So he was very careful. Has anything changed? Is he still doing the same thing there? Or is he more um, – is he actually more aggressive uh, with, with his play? And is that a result of the play calling with Adam Gase? I'm trying to compare to see if Adam Gase is a better coach than Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Yeah, they're probably kind of of the same vein right now as far as O'Brien and Adam Gaze go because there's a there's a really split divide on as far as Dolphins fans go in their opinion of Adam Gaze. But as far as Brock Osweiler goes, it's really been a tale of two games because that first one against the Bears, it, it was a lot of short stuff. He tried to go deep one time to Devontae Parker, Parker's one target of the game, and it was woefully underthrown and picked off and cost the Dolphins a scoring opportunity. But in the last game as well, I actually put up a thread on my, on my Twitter timeline today going over the All-22 film, and he missed a lot of open reads whether it was multi-layer concepts or certain things down the field, and he chose to take the checkdown option. So he is playing safe and smart football, although I would say it's not smart because you're missing open yardage. So, I mean, it, you, you can tell there's a familiarity there with Gaze's system, but he just isn't the type of guy that's really going to take advantage of downfield shots. So, no, not much has changed from that standpoint. If I, if as In terms of Brock Osweiler, if I am him, who am I going to, if I'm trying to get a big chunk of yards, who am I going to throw the ball deep to as far well, as the Dolphins? It would have been Albert Wilson before the injury because Wilson was catching the ball for about 18 yards a pop, and he had three 70-plus yard touchdowns on the season as a receiver. So he's been just dynamic and awesome and worth every penny they spent on him, but he's out for the year. So his his next guy up in that role is Jakeem Grant, the little 5'6 receiver from Texas Tech. You guys might know who he is. He's a pretty big play threat in his own right. He's a big kickoff return specialist, and he's made a couple of long touchdowns in the passing game this year as well. So he runs like a 4.1840. He's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. That'll be the guy that gets the connection with Brock Osweiler, hopefully, because they haven't really had, had one yet through two games. It's been Danny Amendola over and over and over again with Osweiler so far. I want to get to the matchups uh, in just a second, but just remind everybody, if you're enjoying Locked On Texans, tell your friends, let them know they can find us on Spotify, the Google Podcast app, and iTunes. Support us by sharing our show links with your social media followers and take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. Email LockedOnTexans at Mail.com for questions or comments so we can bring you into the conversation. We'd love to do that. We also got to talk about our partners over at Vivid Seats because, hey, you don't want to just watch the Texans from home when you can go to NRG Stadium, see them in person, and do that thanks to Vivid Seats. They offer great prices for NFL games and all live events, and our listeners receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if you're a first-time customer. Just use our exclusive promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, all one word, and all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Go to vividseats.com 
or download the app. Then enter the promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more for new customers. It's a great way to save money the next time you go to a game or any live event for that matter. Remember, Vivid Seats wants to help you get to the game. All right, Travis, the next thing I wanted to get into you with a little bit is, uh, you know, just before we started talking, you were telling us about the Dolphins' offensive line, and it's been a little bit of a struggle. Uh, How concerning is it to go against J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless just when they're all kind of hitting stride in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, that's a scary trio you guys got over there, and I'm definitely worried about it. But it's weird because the Dolphins against the Bears a couple weeks ago completely shut out Khalil Mack, shut down Leonard Floyd, shut down the entire Bears pass rush, and Osweiler had time to throw all day long. I think it was something like eight pressures on 30-something dropbacks. And then you fast forward to this week against the Lions, and it was like 15 pressures on 30 dropbacks. So the the consistency is not there. The, the good news for the Dolphins is both tackles are really good, especially left tackle Laramie Tunzel, the first-round draft pick from a few years ago. He has taken that step towards elite left tackle status this year. Jawan James is up and down, but he does have his games where he is very good. So the tackles are good, but the interior with Travis Swanson and Ted Larson at left guard and center are terrifying because I watched that Jaguars game and I saw Jadavian Clowney lining up all over the defense, and I think he's just going to pick his matchups based on that and, and really wreck shop in this game. Can the Dolphins take advantage of this uh, porous, to say the least, Texans offensive line? <laughs> yeah, I think just because I would assume that anyone would, just based on what I saw from, you know, Julian Davenport, the left tackle in, in that last game against the Jaguars. And Robert Quinn is a great speed rusher. So I think he's he's obviously got the speed, the first step, and also the veteran moves to get around a guy like that. So I think Robert Quinn could have a big day. On the other side, off the left, uh, the, the Texans' right side, I guess, would be Cameron Wake, who has been not the same Cameron Wake this year from a pass rush standpoint. But those are the two guys you rely upon. And we'll see if they want to blitz that much. Matt Burke, Dolphins. Dolphins defensive coordinator has not dialed up a whole lot of blitzing this year. I hope they do, but I, I doubt we'll see a change because he's kind of stubborn and stuck in his way. So they rely on the front four, which has not got brought back any success this year so far. I want to backtrack a little bit because you were talking a little bit about Adam Gase earlier and you said him and Bill O'Brien are similar. Well, for Dolphins fans, number one, I hope not uh, because uh, the Texans fans <laughs> aren't big fans of Bill O'Brien. Uh, this just in. But I, I want to ask you because Adam Gase, to me, for the most part, it looks like he's getting more out of the Dolphins than most of us would expect. The names on the Dolphins are not very much household names for the most part. I mean, is is Adam Gase somebody that you think could eventually uh, do something with the Dolphins, take them beyond just being mediocre if, if he was given some, you know, blue chip talent, I guess more blue chip talent than they than they've had the last couple of years? That's really the Pandora's box question because there's so many different ways to to unpack that. And you look at what they've done at home. They've been a fantastic home team under Adam Gaze, playing in that heat, playing the up-tempo offense and finding a way to create turnovers. But then they go on the road and the offense does not travel. They can't score a point in the first quarter to save their life. They've now gone 17 games without an opening drive touchdown. They are one of the worst teams in terms of taking leads into the halftime break. I think it's something like eight games out of two and a half years. The Dolphins have had a lead at halftime under Adam Gaze. That's not getting it done. So the first 15 play script, the in-game adjustments, and the fact that his system seems to really, really kind of gear towards one of the elite level quarterbacks, like when he had Peyton Manning over in Denver, because it's it's a really complex offense. This Earhart Perkins scheme that he runs really relies upon the quarterback making the right decisions before the snap. And 
Ryan Tannehill, that's not his strong suit. Brock Osweiler, same story there. So it's been a struggle for him with these kind of middling quarterbacks, to say the least. And I, I just, I don't really know because all three years, they've been completely ravaged by injuries. And I know that's kind of the deal in the NFL. That's what you sign up for. But last year they had, you know, the Jay Cutler experience, which was a nightmare, worse than Brock Osweiler for you guys, I'd imagine. And now we're back to the backup quarterback again. I mean, when he had Tannehill, he was winning games. So it's just tough to evaluate. I would say right now we're at an incomplete process, but I I would probably prefer to stick with him because what's the alternative? I mean, is this an attractive job that's going to bring in someone, you know, a big time coach? I I just don't know the answer to that. So I say gaze is still here for the foreseeable future. And I'm really not sure how to feel about it for 10 million. You could have had John Gruden, 10 million a year. Easy, easy, (laughs) easy peasy. There's a steal. (laughs) He's a genius. Just ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Same for Adam gaze. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just to ask you, you know, going back to, you know, how this roster is looking right now, any uh, surprises that you, uh, have noticed this season somebody that just like wow I, I didn't know he would turn out to be like this and it could be good or bad uh, Frank Gore I mean Kenyon Drake at the end of the year last year was just popping off big run after big run having big games he actually led the NFL in rushing over the last five weeks of the season and we expected big things from him but here comes Frank Gore old 34 year old Frank Gore old 3.4 yards per carry in Indianapolis Frank Gore and he's leading the team right now in rushing he's he's finding lanes he's getting you know the, the tough yards you need I really didn't expect him to be the one to really rejuvenate the running game which has been pretty good so far this year so Frank Gore definitely the good surprise I would say that the bad surprise, and I don't, for me, it wasn't a surprise because I never really cared for the guy, but Devontae Parker has been on a milk carton all year, not even active for most of the season. So best surprise, Frank Gore, worst surprise, Devontae Parker. Frank Gore drafted in what, 2005 or something like yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, crazy. Huh? He's awesome. Yeah, it, it, with your rookies right now, how are they? Do- I, I, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, that's going to be your your top pick there. But overall, how are your rookies doing as far as development and being able to make a valuable contribution to your team? Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick is awesome. He's everything we we hoped he would be from Alabama, and he's been excellent in the slot covering receivers in, in that slot role. So we really don't have any concerns with him. He did get hit with a couple of pass interferences, which you mentioned earlier. So that's something he can get better at. You know, it's kind of a different rule in the NFL than it is in college. But he's been great as a tackler and coverage. Everything you want from him there. The second round tight end Mike Kosicki kind of got going, kind of went or kind of got going last week, I should say, in the game against the Lions, but still he's been slow to develop. And then third round draft pick Jerome Baker has played a lot of reps as the nickel linebacker and the third linebacker in base defense. And he's really a rush slash cover guy, great speed and athleticism, still kind of some bumps in the road for him. there, trying to learn the game at the next level, but they've gotten much better contributions this year than they have in years past out of this rookie class. I want to get your thoughts a little bit on a couple of moves nationally this year. And, and Brian and I haven't even pitched in on this, on these two moves uh, this past couple of days, but also just uh, get your thoughts on, uh, you know, just what it's going to take for the dolphins to, to pick up a victory. But uh, before we do that, just uh, got ex- extremely cool news from our locked on podcast network, subscribe to our locked on NBA podcast, because every single week, Sam Amick, of the athletic and you guys know him also from his years at USA today will be a regular weekly contributor over there as will Ben Golliver of SI. So really cool stuff. David Locke is the host of Lockdown NBA. That's the place to go. So go check that out. I think you're going to enjoy that for sure. All right, Travis, a couple of, Moves uh, from uh, some of the other teams around the NFL and just want to get your thoughts. Uh, what do you think about Amari Cooper 
going for a first round pick that swap the Cowboys made and also Eli Apple going to the Saints. Uh, what, what do you think of those moves from both of those teams? Is there a bigger Jerry Jones move than giving a first round pick for a wide receiver? I mean, when is the guy going to learn? I, I don't understand what he's thinking. There's a, a group of receivers coming into the NFL this year that I think are awesome and would be much better served than a disappointing first round draft pick like Amari Cooper, who has something like 200 receiving yards this season in Oakland. So what a waste of a first round pick that was, in my opinion, for Dallas. As far as Eli Apple, I didn't see the compensation for what they gave up for him. I imagine it was something pretty low. It was a fourth and a seventh, I think, was the was the compensation but the thing about Cooper I think it's the Cowboys contention that you know we get him uh, with a different system or, or whatever and I guess that's the brilliance of a Jason Garrett offense which uh, <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah try to hold your nose and your laughter on that but the, the other thing about it is like if your receiver is great and DeAndre Hopkins has proven it over and over again doesn't matter who the quarterback is somehow DeAndre Hopkins puts up numbers you know that that's the sign of a great wide receiver I, to, you just said it Amari Cooper he looks like a very very really mediocre receiver when you look from an NFL like talent perspective. It, one of the things I heard about, and I can't remember where the source of this was, was, the, was that he just doesn't really care about football. And that's like not that surprising among NFL players these days. A lot of these guys come into the league and treat it more like a job than something they really, or I guess more like a, something that just gives them a paycheck than something they're really passionate and care about. And I would just go back to Devontae Parker for the Miami Dolphins, another first round failure at wide receiver. And it's kind of the same case. The guy doesn't know how to work out in the off season. He doesn't have a correct meal plan just doesn't get himself ready for Sunday and if that's the case in Oakland that's not going to change when he goes to Dallas so I I don't get it he has all the talent in the world there has to be something from the psychological standpoint of things that's not working out for him in Oakland and Eli Apple to me he's a little bit better than average I don't think it's a game changer for the Saints but you know I, I don't know what the Saints quarterback cornerback situation is uh, specifically, so maybe that's a, a help for them. But um, it's a fourth and a seventh round pick, which is not too big of a deal. So if it gets you a, a guy that can really help you for a, a team that I think is a Super Bowl contender this year, I think it, you, you got to do it if you're the Saints. But I wanted to ask you, going back to the game, uh, what is it going to take? What do you think is the formula for the Dolphins winning this game? Uh, the Texans bust a breakdown on the way to the stadium would probably be the best way to have it happen. I mean, this team just comes into the game, and, and you're talking to one of the, the Dolphins media members, if you want to call me that, that was more bullish on this team than just about anybody else across the landscape. I had them starting off 3-0. and I had them losing the two games on the road and then you know being at 3-2, and and now here we are at 4-3, and and it feels like that was three years ago because, like I mentioned, two top receivers down, quarterback down, two offensive linemen are down. I mean, this offense is just an utter shambles right now, and they've proven time and time again on the road that they cannot compete with teams and especially on a short week on Thursday night they can't compete so if they're going to find a way to win it's going to be defensively which is a scary proposition because 11 of the opponent's last 15 possessions have resulted in points so that side's going backwards as well but it's going to have to be pressure on Deshaun Watson getting the takeaways and of course protecting the ball in offense and winning special teams which has been something they're pretty good at so I'm not very confident in this game the short Thursday you know road road game is tough and, and this team going on the road is just bad in general if Deshaun's bus breaks down this time he can Uber it because he's in Houston. So that's good for, for, for <laughs> yes. that. But that, yeah, that's the only bus that really mattered. Uh, last week was Deshaun's bus, but yeah, typically uh, the, the, the buses, they'll be okay. I think it's not too long of a drive to get to the, from, from their home to the stadium. <laughs> but uh, let me, let me just uh, close it out with you and just, uh, just your general thoughts. Like, 
the Dolphins can do you think I mean the record they're they're right there they're in it I mean can they compete for a a playoff spot this year or do you feel like the the injuries are going to start catching up to them and and, and this is going to be a real struggle for them just to get to the playoffs because the AFC it, it's wide open for those last couple of spots right now yeah, they certainly got a shot. And like you mentioned with the Texans schedule, and it's kind of the case for a lot of teams in the AFC because we play a lot of the same teams. That schedule, you look you look down it, and there's really not that many games where you're like, that's not a winnable game. So, I mean, they have a lot of chances to pick up some wins across the way. But, you know, Albert Wilson was the entire offense. He really was. And without him, I just don't see how they recover. So I thought so before the year, but now I'm kind of changing that prediction as more things go on. So I'm going to say no, probably about an eight-win team at this point. And if people want to keep up with uh, what's going on from a Dolphins perspective or uh, anything that you've got, just plug away on uh, your social media and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. So it's LockedOnDolphins.com, the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And my Twitter is just my last name, at Wingfield NFL. Sounds great. Hey, man, you're doing a great job over there, and we really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Travis. All right, we're going to wrap it up real quick. Just a reminder that uh, you can get all of our content over on LockedOnTexans.com. Good writing, good work by our correspondents over there, Joe, Andy, Calvin, and Brandon. Uh, Also look for Brian's work on the Texans, Astros, and Rockets on HouseOfHouston.com, a fan side affiliate. And if you want to hear my takes on the Rockets and the Astros and everything going on in Houston sports, listen to me and my co-host, R.G. Seal, on our Houston Sports Talk podcast. That's all we got for this one. Tomorrow, Andy talks a little fantasy and just a variety of other stuff. Uh, Stay tuned for that one in tomorrow's show. And, of course, Thursday we're going to have the postgame show. You're not going to want to miss that. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. (laughs) 